This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. NPR's Books We Love project isn't just a great way to find a new mystery or a new romance or a new piece of fascinating literary fiction. It's also a great place to explore ideas about the world. Memoirs, science, history, media, there's a lot to get into. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about some of the nonfiction books we loved on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor Stamps.com. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting, no long-term commitments or contracts. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. Joining me today is NPR's TV critic, Eric Deggins. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Yeah, for change, I get to talk about something I read rather than something I watched, which is awesome. It's always amazing, isn't it, when we find (laughs) ourselves on an entirely different topic? Hopefully all of you know what Books We Love is. It's NPR's big project that rounds up hundreds of books into a tagged, sortable, explorable list that is somehow much more than a list. And it's reliant on recommendations from NPR staff and outside contributors as well. We want to highlight some of the nonfiction that we really loved. Let's get into it, Eric. Your first pick is a memoir. Yeah, it's called Scenes from My Life, a memoir by Michael K. Williams with John Sternfeld. And of course, I'm sure Pop Culture Happy Hour listeners will remember Michael K. Williams, the amazing character actor who played so many wonderful and groundbreaking parts on shows like The Wire and Boardwalk Empire and Lovecraft Country. He wrote a deeply personal memoir where he talks about Growing up in a really poor, pretty tough Brooklyn neighborhood, being bullied in that neighborhood, struggling with substance abuse issues, and even getting his face cut when he was in a bar. Uh, and he was developing a career as a model and dancer and thought it was over, but it wound up creating this whole new career where he could play gangsters and play tough guys, even though he wasn't a tough guy in real life. And The poignant thing, this is one of the most poignant books I read, because you know as you're reading it, if you know anything about Michael K. Williams, that he died of a drug overdose before the manuscript of the book was due. And John Sternfeld had to finish it uh, without him. He he told me that... um, you know, they had done so many interviews. They had been working on the book for years that he knew what Michael would have wanted. But still, it's a tough thing to finish this deeply personal memoir that sounds like this actor is talking to you months after his death. He's very frank that he's an addict 
And he's very frank about what that did to his life. But there's a hopefulness in the pages where he's like, I finally overcome it. You know, I figured out even how to deal with the way that playing certain characters awakens, uh, you know, these problems in me. And then there's a hopefulness to it. But you as the re- reader know that his story, unfortunately, ends badly. And that lends a poignancy to the whole story that makes it even more sort of important and revelatory when you read it. Well, thank you very much. That is Scenes from My Life, a memoir by Michael K. Williams with John Sternfeld. My pick for this episode, I have to make a confession. I dropped the ball on getting my picks. <laughs> so you'll actually not find my pick in Books We Love. Uh, 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 you made an error. But it is a book I loved. And I feel like the reason... Why I didn't submit it was partly that I assumed someone else would submit it, which sometimes happens. <laughs> a dangerous assumption at NPR. <laughs> I know, I know, but I wound up uh, n- not doing it. But it is a book that I love, and it's the book An Immense World by Ed Yong. Mm. You know, Ed Yong mm. is a writer for The Atlantic whose work on COVID was a lot of people's introduction to him. But he's a beautiful writer about science and nature and the world. And this is a book about basically the sensory worlds of animals. So some of it is things that I think people often know something about, like echolocating by bats. There's a lot of wonderful stuff about echolocating. But also it's things that I didn't really know about, like how birds and fish are able to move in large formations in ways that seem very mystifying. How would they all kind of follow that flow in that perfect way? He gets into all that. A lot of it is about how as we change the climate and the world around us, we are interfering with the ability of animals to use their senses in the way that they need to, you know, with things like light pollution and noise pollution and things like that. So I love the book as a science book, but I also love the book because metaphorically, It is also this book about empathy, about understanding that other people are not having the same experience that you are having. And your world is defined by your subjective experience of it, right? And it doesn't mean there's no objective truth. Please don't misunderstand. (laughs) Hold your letters. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it really brings the focus in on the fact that not everyone sees and experiences the world in the same way. Plus, if you have a dog, you got to get this book (laughs) just because this book made me understand my dog so much better. And it transformed the way I walked my dog. Like that is my blurb for this book. (laughs) It really changed the way I walk my dog. But what I took away from reading the book is that the dog just needs to stop and smell everything. It doesn't mean it's true of everyone's dog, but my dog What he needs is to explore everything in his own way, at his own pace. And that is just the kind of thing that I think it took this book for me to understand. And it's also just a beautifully written book. It's He's just a beautiful writer, um, a beautiful and evocative and funny and interesting writer. Strongly recommend the audiobook if you're an audiobook person. He has a wonderful way of reading his own work. So again, uh, this is Ed Yong's An Immense World. I love this book. I've recommended this book all year long. I should have gotten it in Books We Love. So consider it to be my stealth entry. So that is um, that is my pick. You are going to give one more pick. This one is not a memoir, but it is sort of a history. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. Can a cable channel have a memoir? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of that. It's Not TV, The Spectacular Rise, Revolution, and Future of HBO uh, by Felix Gillette and John Koblen. Now, these guys are high-level media reporters, and they put their talents together to sort of tell the story of HBO. The book came out on the 50th anniversary of uh, the premium cable channel. And this is a cable channel that has shaped so much of what we know of as sort of high quality prestige TV. And it has this very weird, <laughs> very bizarre, very male centered uh, history. And so they, they dig into it. And as one sort of example, they talk a lot about Chris Albrecht, who was once a leader at HBO who wound up losing his job after he attacked his girlfriend uh, in Las Vegas. But there was a a previous incident that had been reported about a little bit when he uh, initially had his problems. But they went into more detail to reveal that there was this woman who had alleged that um, she was involved in a consensual affair with him and that that he had attacked her and then she left the company. And so it it raised all these questions about the male-centered culture at HBO, particularly uh, in the early days of the service. And those revela- revelations were so powerful that Albrecht, who was at a different media company, wound up uh, being placed on leave after the book galleys came out. So, you know, they're really trying to provide some context as to why HBO was doing the kinds of shows when they were doing them and how, you know, shifts in the the people who were leading the company and the people who worked there affected the stuff that people eventually saw. So, you know, how it led to the creation of The Sopranos or Sex in the City or Girls, you know, a previously a very male-centered prestige cable outlet becoming more female-oriented as they realized that that was a, a real weakness uh, for them, and then trying to compete with Netflix in the streaming age. Now, I will admit, this is for media nerds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But, but as somebody who covered a lot of this, I still felt like I learned a lot. Um, you know, a lot of these books can wind up sort of overpraising HBO for being so groundbreaking. And at least I thought they were willing to talk a little more plainly about its problems with being so male-centered and some of the scandals that came from that. Yeah, you know, you and I have spoken about the fact that there have actually been two big HBO books recently. One is this, It's Not TV, that you spoke about. The other one is James Andrew Miller's Tinderbox, which, you know, is an oral history. It's one of these big brick-sized oral histories. There's one of ESPN, there's one of SNL. And this one about HBO is the one of these that I read. I actually listened to the audiobook, which, P.S., I do not recommend. It is simply too long. It is more than 40 hours. And I think any oral history is probably better skimmed than taken in in that way. But with Tinderbox, I did feel that it was, as you sort of alluded to, a book that is an oral history and therefore revolves entirely around access to interviews with people To me, it is HBO executives explaining how great they are a lot of the time and talking about what a great job they all did and how special they are. And you don't really get any pushback ever from anybody. So the incidents that you talked about with Albrecht in Tinderbox are really kind of – they're mentioned, but they're kind of glossed over. And there's some talk about like, well – You know, but he was such a genius. It spends way more time on what a genius he was than on any of these allegations. So it's really interesting to me 
that, you know, surrounding this anniversary of HBO, there are these kind of two giant books that came out. And I think the other thing that's interesting is, you know, here you have these people being like, we're going to tell the story of HBO. Well, since these two books came out, the story of HBO has taken, you know, additional massive swerves with all the stuff about Warner Brothers and Discovery and this new chapter in which so much of the attention that they're getting is negative for what's been happening to the original programming on HBO Max and what's been happening with the original programming even from HBO. Well, what's interesting to me is that both of the books detail how HBO just had this series of owners that were clueless about (laughs) what they were doing. And somehow they were able to still set the standard for high-quality prestige television, despite the fact that they were part of the AOL Time Warner merger. And despite the fact that, you know, they were owned by AT&T, which obviously didn't get what they were doing. And and, and now, um, you know, they're owned by Warner Brothers Discovery, and they have they have to face all of this cost cutting because when when Warner Brothers Discovery was created, um, that company was saddled with fifty billion dollars of debt. Yeah. So in a way, these books can kind of prepare you for mm-hmm. all of the history and what's at stake and, and what's going on now. If you're so inclined, you can get a sense of how HBO has triumphed over bad management for so long, and you can see how it's different now. And this might be the owner that really uh, manages to damage the HBO brand in a way that even AT&T and AOL Time (laughs) Warner could not manage. Yeah. So that is It's Not TV, The Spectacular Rise, Revolution, and Future of HBO. If you want to discover even more great nonfiction books NPR loved this year, visit npr.org slash bestbooks. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, as always, for being here, Eric. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Candace Lim and Ramel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy. The Books We Love team is Beth Novi, Natalie Escobar, Maureen Powell, and Megan Collins-Sullivan. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Your business faces specific challenges and unique opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, custom tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the expertise, strategy, and resources of a top 10 commercial bank, a dedicated team works with you to support your success and help achieve your goals. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial. How can a story feel uniquely Latin American and universal? You'll have to listen to Radio Ambulante, NPR's award-winning Spanish-language podcast, to find out. For over a decade, we've told stories of love and migration, youth and politics, the environment, food and families from everywhere Spanish is spoken. Escucha ahora el podcast Raumbulante desde NPR.